electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. And Fast Money does start right now. I am Courtney Reagan in tonight for Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Brian Kelly, Jeff Mills, Bono and Eisen, and Mike Coe. Coming up on Fast, beware of the bounce. Why the chart master says investors need to be laser focused on this key level. Carter Worth joins us ahead. Plus, airline stocks taking flight today. But one of our traders says, buckle up. There's more turbulence ahead. We're going to bring you that trade. And later, Tesla hitting skids following a pair of big downgrades. We're going to dig into both of those calls. Thanks for joining us here on Fast Money. Let's break out that Dramamine, though, because the market taking investors on a roller coaster ride today. So we started the day strong with stocks heading higher. Then around midday, we lost some steam. And then we rallied into the close. All told, the S&P 500 gaining more than 1% on the day. This, though, of course, follows yesterday's brutal sell-off. So was today a buy-the-dip moment? BK, is it weird that yesterday when we had this huge sell-off, I actually kind of felt better? That made more sense to me than some of the action we saw today? <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I think, you know, for, for market watchers, uh, to watch the market go up to new highs while you have all this economic uncertainty sometimes can be a bit confusing. So, you know, what we've seen is twofold. We've seen massive amounts of monetary and fiscal stimulus come into the market, as well as we know there is a big retail bid to this market. And so that's driven the market higher. Now you've had this sell-off with a second wave, potential second wave of this virus. And then Sheriff Nottingham there telling the Robinhood traders, listen, it's not going to be that great. We're going to have to keep rates low for a long time. The market didn't take that well. The action today, to me, it felt more like a, a dead cat bounce. It really didn't feel like a strong bottom by the dip type of moment. I th it still feels like we've got some downside to go. And it'll be really important to watch those virus numbers, unfortunately, out of the South and the West, because that'll tell us whether or not we're going to have this second wave and we're going to have to have some kind of another shutdown, lockdown, not exactly what that'll look like. Jeff, what do you think? Did you feel better today? Do you think there's going to be a bigger sell-off to come and that we just didn't take enough medicine yesterday? Yeah, I feel about the same, honestly. I think yesterday was jarring for everyone, and I don't think anybody expected us to give back that much all in one fell swoop. But the one thing that I think is emerging that is interesting is that the leadership profile is pretty clear depending on which way the market's going. If the market's rising, it's cyclicals, it's value, it's mid and small cap. If the market's falling, we revert back to that large cap growth tech trade. And that wasn't always the case. I mean, you can look back for the past number of years, and it's really been large cap growth and tech sort of leading the way up, and then it served as safety on the way down. So I think depending on which way you think the market's going to go, that should dictate your positioning. Because if we do continue higher, I think we continue to see this cyclicality play out. The problem is forecasting the direction of the market right now is just so difficult. And BK hit on it. I mean, there's this tug of war between economic fundamentals, which the market is clearly divorced from. I mean, if you look at economic indicators, 
there's typically a 90% correlation between the S&P 500 and leading indicators like manufacturing, housing, sentiment. We're nowhere near that right now. We're back to 2019 levels in terms of what the market's reflecting. So I think we need to pause here a little bit. I'm not surprised that we've given some back. But you can't pay too much attention to fundamentals in a market that's clearly being driven in a big way by liquidity. So what do you do? Number one, I think you look at credit. We had some credit widening this week, nothing dramatic. But I mentioned positioning a week or two ago. And what we've done is we've reduced overall equity exposure. But within equities, we have a little bit of a cyclical bent. So if the market continues higher, that exposure tilt should help us. But if we sell off, which I think we might, we at least have that hedge. So that's what we're doing for now. Hmm. Mike, what do you think? Do we need to have some protection built in here because who knows what we're going to get next week? Or should you go with where the, the large momentum in the market has been taking us most of the time in recent days and weeks? So, well, I think Jeff was making the point that the momentum that's been taking us has differed, you know, over the course of a couple of days versus over the course of, you know, the last couple of weeks or even the last two months. You know, one of the reasons that the big mega cap tech sector companies have been doing well is because fundamentally they are doing well. Microsoft, for example, is doing well. And so when people are buying that stock, when everything else is being thrown out, it makes some sense. Even though the valuation might look a little bit uh, heady at this point, it's a safer play in many respects to buy a company that is already basically delivering than to try to look to cyclical names where you're hoping that the situation improves from a very bad place. Right now, we're getting news that suggests that that bad place isn't going to necessarily improve in the very near term. And let's just think about this also in terms of how you weight risk assets. When you see a move like the one we saw yesterday, when you see the VIX get up to where it is now, 36, what that tells us is that the options market's implying moves of about 1.8% on average a day. People invest more aggressively and choose higher valuations on things that are not as volatile and lower valuations on things that are uh, more volatile. So if equities exhibit this kind of volatility, then you shouldn't expect people to start chasing a minor pullback uh, in relative terms. So I actually don't think this represents a, a huge buying opportunity. I mean, I, again, I would point to Microsoft as an example. This is a stock that actually is up very slightly week on week, even though the market uh, obviously had a pretty rough road yesterday. All right, I'm picking up on some bearish tilts from you gentlemen so far. Bonneman, what about you? Do you feel like we just need to wait and see? We need a little bit more information under our belt about some of these reemergence of infections in some parts of the country? Or are there companies that you feel confident are good trades no matter what, even if we see a reemergence of the virus or a, sec a true second wave? Uh, I tend to, tend to agree for the most part. I mean, what you are seeing is a dispersion within the marketplace. I would like to compare that to the volatility and the correlation that we saw before, which seemed to be a lot of indiscriminate selling. To me, that, that is moderately good news. Now, I'm not expecting, and I don't think we should all expect, the same volatile down moves that we had and look for those to be the entry points. I think we are going to have to re recalibrate how far back we expect the pullback to be. I do see a sell-off um, on the horizon, but I expect it to be a bit more of sideways trading than previous um, uh, a, a market than, than we've had in uh, previous market sessions throughout this volatile period. Got it. BK, you mentioned earlier Sheriff Nottingham. I believe you are referring to Mr. Powell. <laughs> obviously, he gave us a forecast this week that was uh, not so rosy, obviously. Scared the markets a little bit, yeah. at least on Thursday, in the reaction to the trading. I mean, do you 
broadly agree that this recovery is going to take some time then? So, yes, I broadly agree that this recovery is going to take some time. I, I have been surprised at the willingness of people to go right back uh, into normal activities. And potentially that's because I've been spending some time in New York City uh, during this pandemic. So you're really in the heart of it. Perhaps my view is skewed. But I think even if we get to a point where restaurants are at 50, 75 percent and hotels are at 75 percent occupancy, that is still really difficult for companies to make money. So what that means then is that earnings aren't going to be as good as we might expect, and therefore the market is more expensive than it has been in the last. Uh, certainly more expensive than we when we were here back in December and January, and a lot more expensive than when we were down, in, down low in March. Now, people might paint me as a bear, but I would rather be taking profits here uh, and looking for an opportunity to get back in rather than, than top-ticking it and buying in on the FOMO. Makes sense to take some profits when you've got the S&P and the Dow some 37% above that March 23rd low, which is just nuts when you really think about it all in context with what's <laughs> happening in the outside world. But let's move on here. This week's wild swings in the market do have the chart master warning us about some more pain to come from stocks as we've been discussing as a possibility. So let's get over to Cornerstone Macro's Carter Worth. Carter, what do you got for us? Yeah, I corroborate with the desk. I mean, obviously, there's a cautious tone. But before we look at the charts, I think it's important to say we all think in principle that up days are good and down days are bad. And that's just not true. Meaning a down day, if it's coming after a lot of strength, is actually a good thing, right? So if a stock or currency, a commodity is steep and uncorrected, think about the word, uncorrected, that has a flaw. And we want it to correct, meaning corrections are not bad, they're good. Now, just because this was so violent, the question is, does it have further to go? Hard to say. Let's look at some charts. The first chart is just a simple year-to-date chart of the S&P. And what you can see, of course, is that credible rally off the low, some 47% gain, actually 47.5 from the absolute low on March 23rd. And then this two, three-day sell-off, which breaks trend. You can see the trend line there, very clear. And so the question is, if and as this continues, and my hunch is it will continue, again, we're down only 7-plus uh, percent in the S&P, Yes, individual sectors worse, but the overall market, not that much. And so the second chart is a reference point that anyone can use and we can look at right here. And simply what this is doing is highlighting the high of the year. Of course, we all know that that was uh, February 19th at 3,400. And then the low, the plunge low, March 23rd at 2,200 plus or minus. And here we are basically the midpoint. I think we check back at least to the midpoint, and that would be 2,800. So we close today at 3041. Again, one week is not likely to correct a 15-week, 16-week advance. And so my hunch is lower. Carter, thank you very much. Don't go very far. We're going to catch you a bit later. I want to bring Bono in. What do you make of Carter's levels here? It sounds like you gentlemen are sharing some phrasing. I think you also agree that not all corrections are bad. It's a correction. That's a good thing, no? Absolutely. This um, this feels this feels healthy. Scary, but healthy. Um, I tend to agree with Carter in terms of direction. I'm not sure I can quite agree in terms of amplitude. So that 2,800 level is about 8% from where we are currently. Um, I, I just don't see the same risks on the horizon 
keep in mind, when we had this violent sell-off previously, the Fed hadn't yet stepped in. We still didn't have accurate measures of COVID. We didn't know what the full effect was going to be of the economy being shut down. And a lot of those, those unknowns have been removed. We essentially have the Fed now not only in um, stepping in with, and, and providing liquidity, easing monetary policy, we have them expanding into more speculative assets than we've seen in, in, in years, if not ever. So yes, I do think we continue to trend down. I think that will be more of a grind than the violence and volatility that, that we've seen previously. Um, again, and the, the last thing I'll say is, it, it seems like there's this instinctual dip buying. And um, you've got the Fed, you've got a lot of cash on the sidelines. Uh, I, would, I would, and if you think back to how quickly we bounce from the lows, I really would be looking for opportunities. Um, to, to pick your spots where you're comfortable getting in. Uh, perhaps you do it with calls so that you, you know you can define your risk. But um, I, I wouldn't be looking for the same balance that we have before. Got it, Jeff. I was just going to bring up the chart that we're showing right here about these buy on the dips. We're after we hit this huge downswing, five percent or more during the recent several months. The next day, you get somewhat of an upswing. You may not make up all the ground, but a little bit. So, Jeff, what do you make of that 2,800 idea going further down? Or are we going to break out some of these patterns that we've been seeing? I think 2,800 seems reasonable from a technical level. I mean, the buy the dip is a result of all of this liquidity that we've been talking about. But some of these improvements, some of these things, the virus clarity, some of the, the off-the-bottom moves we've seen in economic data, I guess my question is just, is that indicative of an environment where earnings are actually going to improve at all? Or are we going to continue to see earnings estimates come down? Because I think what we just saw yesterday, it's an example of a market where if you have some complacency in the options market, the put call ratio is extremely low, for example, and you have a market where PE multiples are very high and that E component is still a big question in my mind, you can see these big violent moves when sentiment changes. And I do think there are still some risks out there that really we're not talking about right now. Number one, I think is we're probably going to need some more stimulus. And I think the urgency there seems to have cooled off a little bit because we're getting some better uh, economic data points. Uh, the stock market is holding its head a bit. So that's question number one. And nobody's talking about the election. And I think as we go over the next couple of months, that's going to be an additional uncertainty that the market has to deal with. And if you look at uh, Trump's approval numbers starting to come down kind of across the board, Republicans, independents. So, you know, what that means for the fate of uh, the corporate tax structure and other things, I think these are big questions that's going to make the, it difficult for the market to move higher substantially, especially when earnings are such a big question. Oh, yeah, it's an election year, too. 2020 is just in for a big bag of tricks for us all. Thank you, guys. We're going to take a quick break, but coming up, airline stocks flying high today. So is this sector clear for takeoff? We have the one stat that could give investors some hope. And later on on Options Action, how retail investors can protect themselves from wild market swings like we saw this week. Fast Money is back in two. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Airline stocks soaring today on a few big headlines. American saying it is eyeing zero cash burn by the end of the year. We also got some encouraging new numbers from the TSA. The agency screening more than half a million passengers for the first time since the coronavirus pandemic hit. And Credit Suisse issuing some calls on the space. Southwest, the big winner, getting an upgrade as analysts believe the airline is well positioned for a comeback. But the firm downgrading United and Spirit. So are the airlines clear for takeoff? Jeff Mills, holy cow, United Airlines up 20% today? Yeah, it's interesting. And I just want to make the first point, which I think is critical. At these levels and in this market, when you're buying into the airlines, you have to understand what you're doing. And what you're doing is buying into a beta trade, which is completely linked to the reopening. So this afternoon, just for fun, I looked at American Airlines, Delta, MGM casinos, a couple of the cruise lines, and I looked at the correlations. If you go back to 2019 as an example, then you average out the correlations if you just do a little matrix. It was 0.43, so not that high. From the bottom, those stocks have been correlated an average of 0.96. You're basically looking at the same chart. So when you're buying into an airline, I don't know that it's anything idiosyncratic relative to the fundamentals. So I want to make that point very clear up front. You know, I've been cautious as it relates to the airlines. I think there are some risks as we move into the fourth quarter. Um, is business travel going to come back? Are we going to get a second wave of the virus? I think there's this pent up travel demand right now. So you're seeing traveler throughput increase. But that, those TSA numbers, we ticked above 500,000 for the first time. We were at about 100,000 per day at the depths of the, the economic shutdown. Let's not forget, I mean, that's good. But this same day in 2019, that number was 2.6 million. So we have a lot of ground to cover in terms of getting to where we need to be from a demand standpoint. Last thing I will say, just in terms of picking names within the space, I think you want to look at a few things. You want to look at exposure to business travel. You want to look at valuation. And I also think you want to look at exposure to international travel because that demand hasn't clearly come back yet. Um, the name I think that might be best positioned for all of that is actually Southwest in terms of their revenue mix, uh, exposure to international travel, and their valuations actually look a lot better. Some of the names like American, Spirit, JetBlue, if you look at them from an EV to EBITDA perspective, um, even at these depressed price levels, uh, given the debt that they've added during you know, the last couple of months, the valuations actually don't look that right. attractive. So in a space I don't like that much, I think Southwest might be the name. Mike Coe, what do you make of that? The Wyndham CEO was on closing bell last hour and he said leisure travel's picking up and he's seen bookings increase for eight straight weeks. But, you know, Jeff makes a good point about the business travel. What do you what do you think that all adds up for for the airline? Some opportunity or stay away? No way yet. Yeah. Well, I, I think it certainly depends name by name. It's picking up off of such a low level that, you know, those types of increases in percentage terms are going to seem material. But that doesn't necessarily mean that certain players in the space are going to be in good shape. Taking a look at American, for example, you know, this is a company where you're looking at relatively short-dated debt that's trading at just over 50 cents on the dollar. And what that tells you is that the bondholders still have significant concerns. The reason the equity does so well is because it is coming off of such a low level. It's a speculative buy, as Jeff was just alluding to, on a reopening. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in the long term these companies are going to end up being successful. You know, if you're looking at companies that have accumulated a massive amount of debt, then the enterprise value, as he was talking about, might actually be very little changed. You know, it was just over $40 billion at the end of 2019 for American Airlines, and it's around $38 billion now. It's just the equity component that's come down, but debt has been added. Of those big carriers, maybe Delta Airlines is probably the highest quality, but 
you're really playing with it in a very dangerous space when you're dealing with levered businesses that are so closely tied to a recovery and needing that a second wave is going to hit them very hard if it comes. So what do you think, BK? You want to play a dangerous game? You want to wade into the airlines? Do you want to look at a name more like Boeing? You walking away? No. No, I, I want, you know, it's going to be hands off for me. I mean, really what you've got here, yeah, was there a trade here? Certainly. But any asset that's up 20%, I don't care if it's an airline, Boeing, or Bitcoin, up 20%, take some off the table, people. I mean, take a little bit of a profit, wait for another day. In the long run, I do think these are challenged. All right, so you are sending those warning signs for us. I'm not getting on a plane anytime soon. Coming up, a duo of downgrades for Tesla, sending shares tumbling today. We'll tell you how much further one analyst says prices can go. We'll be back in two. Stick around. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's a double downer for Tesla as shares tank on two major Wall Street downgrades. Shares down almost 4%. Morgan Stanley dropping Tesla to uh, underweight and lowering the price target to 650 bucks. Goldman Sachs cutting Tesla to neutral, but raising its price target to 950 So is Tesla losing its charge here? Bonowin, what's your take on this one? This is a favorite name of the Fast Money traders. Uh, indeed it is. I think one thing to keep in mind is that on both calls, both Morgan Stanley and Goldman's, they still maintain uh, long-term constructive outlooks on the stock. Um, keep in mind, again, this is a growth story with unprecedented volatility. Anytime you have headwinds, it should be taken in, into account. And on the Sino-US trade deal, you pretty much have dynamics that are going to be affected on both the supply and demand side. And I think they're talking about how margins might be um, might be compressed, price cuts, whether or not um, those dynamics are, are going to have a bit more volatility in the short term. But long term, again, reiterating that they both seem to be constructive on the stock. Uh, as I said before about the general market, I think a bit of a pullback, um, sideways trading, consolidation is actually a good thing. And I think they're kind of um, echoing that going forward. Mr. Coe, you look pretty good behind the wheel of your Tesla. Are you going to put your money where your mouth is? you think this is going back up to 1000 before it goes down to 800 What do you make of these calls? Yeah, so the interesting thing here is that if you're looking at these companies from fundamental valuation perspective, it's pretty tough, right? Because you compare uh, the valuation of Tesla to, say, a Ford or something, it, it looks pretty stretched. But here's the thing. I would actually compare it more to something like Nikola, which doesn't have any revenues. And if I look at those two, which one would I rather own? Tesla actually has proven that they can release good products that people want to buy 
And, you know, I look at it from a valuation perspective. I think Nikola is expensive and Tesla is cheap if I'm just comparing those two. So of the two, if I was going to have a pair, I'd be long Tesla, short Nikola. But you have to do it versus options because there's already a 13.5% short interest in that one. Oh, wow. That is quite the trade. We're going to take time now for another final trade and go around the horn if we can. Bonowin, what do you got for us for this Friday final trade? I like defining your risk, hedging your portfolio a little bit. Options look cheap. GLD option. Five calls. Mr. Mills. Seems like I don't want to buy anything, and I don't like the airline sector that much. But if you want exposure in the space, I do like Southwest. Like I said, I think they're positioned the best from a revenue mix perspective. So LUV Southwest. Up 9% today. Mike Coe. Stick with what's working in terms of both price and fundamentals, and I think Microsoft fits the bill. And BK will end with you. Final trade. You know what? Volatility is high, but I think it still can go higher. You want to protect yourself, buy some VIX. I know the options guys are going to have a field day with that, but I like VIX calls. Okay, well, that does it for Fast Money today. But don't go anywhere because options action is coming up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.